Welcome back to another pro am. Hasn't been that long. I know. I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to leave that in. Uh, and <laughs> it'd be easy for me just to stop and re-record this, but um, my brain is not working all that well. Welcome to another episode of Pro-Am Disc Golf. <laughs> That's what we were going for. <laughs> that was exactly it. I don't even know what comes next. What comes after that? I'm Gavin Goodwin. Oh, yeah. I'm Gavin Goodwin. <laughs> and I'm Crystal Lesbo. I'm your amateur. And I'm your professional. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Chris. I got you. you. You held my hand through that whole thing. <laughs> I am still super jet lagged. I was in Ireland this last week. Let's hear so, about it. Uh, it's awesome. Isn't uh, it beautiful? It is. Um, we went out there. My wife had a conference out there. And so I flew out to meet her and we spent four days tooling around the island. Um, did you, were you a Game of Thrones fan? I uh, tried. I about, got apparently, bored. a bunch of it was filmed there. Like okay. I went to this place called Giant's Causeway, which is. Just like these rocks that look like, um, I don't know if they're pentagons or hexagons or what, but they're like, yeah, it's like, it's rock that looks like just rock, like granite rock almost, but it's got a crystalline structure to it. It's really cool. I think I've seen, it's it's like kind of colony. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. And it's right on the coast. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, basically we went on a road trip, an Irish road trip, uh, I don't recommend an Irish road trip for an American driver. One. Wrong side of the road? Well, definitely. (laughs) You're driving thoroughly on the wrong side of the road. The first roundabout I hit at the airport, I went in the wrong way. Oh, no. I drove like I was supposed to. Thankfully, found out Irish people are pretty nice. (laughs) Very. Like sometimes overwhelmingly. (laughs) Um, So that was horrible. Also, (laughs) uh, our rental car, which was like a Peugeot 3008. Pretty nice little car, um, very well equipped, like nice little car, uh, but it's a manual transmission. Oh, with a left-hand shift? With a left-hand shift, and uh, I haven't driven a manual. The last car that I had here that was a manual, that was my regular driver, was, I think I totaled it in, I had some (laughs) black ice and totaled it. Bummed, I liked that car a lot. Uh, 2004? I like that it's not what the car is or when the car was, but when it was totaled. Yeah. Oh, it's a little embarrassing, but it was. It was a 1998 Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, when you saw, it, when people saw it, they're like, "Oh, okay, I get it." But uh, when people just heard that I had a Beetle, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and after that Beetle, I had a Jetta, and so I would, <laughs> I would be driving on the freeway in both those cars, and I would see cars like passing and like trying to race mm-hmm. up to catch me. To see the cute girl driving the little Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> and I would always look over and smile. Yep. Give him a little head <laughs> at, the, nod. at the very disappointed dude. So That's funny. Um, but yeah, that was the last stick that I drove regularly. And since then, I've driven... Uh, when I lived in Ethiopia, we drove a stick the whole time. Uh, but that was in 2007. And since then, I drive a stick maybe once every 36 months but even for those, like a weekend. The gears on your right yes, side. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, this is the first time I've ever driven in a left-hand drive country, and uh, the driving wore me out. Like, it's stressful. Also, um, my wife kept taking video of the roads because they are so insanely narrow. Uh-huh. I'm I'm in this little Peugeot that's, uh, I don't know how wide it is. Our, our couple international listeners, like the few people that we have listening in Europe, 
you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's probably smaller than my car. Uh, wheelbase wise, it's probably similar. You drive a, G, a little Golf GTI. Yeah. Uh, very similar to that. Yeah. Like a little narrower. It's it's like um, has more space. It's like an SUV. Yeah. But basically the same size as that. Yeah. Um, so it's like driving an upright hatchback. And there were times when I had to fold the mirrors in because I felt like we oh, were going to smash into cars. Also, uh, <laughs> there's no such thing as a shoulder <laughs> anywhere yeah. like off of the main roads. And there's not very many main <laughs> roads. And it, so it's not like it just falls off into dirt. Um, it is a stone wall, like mm. just dry pack stone, jagged, jagged, like shale wall. <laughs> Fun. Uh, two inches. Off of the line. That's a the stress, side of the road. stressful trip. Yeah. It was, uh, by the by the end of the trip, I was much more comfortable driving. But when we landed, I was super jet lagged because I had like a 16-hour layover in New York on the way there. Yeah. And slept two nights in a plane. I had a red-eye flight to New York and then a red-eye flight to Ireland. So I got to Ireland sleeping two nights on a plane. Mm. Probably had gotten like four hours of sleep total, if mm-hmm. that, and not great sleep. And then I'm super jet lagged, super tired, driving on the wrong side of the road with shifting with the wrong hand mm. uh, in Dublin, which is like you get into the middle of that town and it's like medieval streets. Yeah, <laughs> like it's super it's narrow. Small. Yeah. Have you been to Ireland? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you have. Yeah. We talked about this Years before. Ago. Um, but it's beautiful. It's such a pretty place. I did not play any disc golf. Did you look to see if there were courses? I did. And uh, that's the real test. No. <laughs> Not no. that I could find. Bummer. I used um, UDisc, and there were some that were like, this course gets set up once a year for a tournament. Yeah. you know, Or this one's on some dude's private land, and it may or may not be there. But I come to find out like the whole country's privately owned, basically. Yeah. So, uh, But it's beautiful. Oh, we saw the Cliffs of Moore, which are the Cliffs of Insanity. Nice. From Princess Bride. This turned into like a Hollywood trip, too. We didn't realize of course. that. Uh, and then we went to Skellig Michael, which is Luke Skywalker's island uh, in Star Wars Last, Last Jedi. Jedi and Force Awakens. Yes. And of Force Awakens. Um, and that place is – I've been to some incredible places. I've been to Angkor Wat. I've been, I've been really fortunate with the places I've been to. I've been to a place called Lalibela in Ethiopia that's amazing. Um, this is in like – if it's not the most amazing place I've ever been, it's in the top three. Wow. Like, it's unreal. Like it, it totally makes sense why they've decided to film okay. Star Wars there. Cause it doesn't look like anything from this planet. Like those stone mm-hmm. huts are real They're there. It's an old monastery. Oh wow. That the monks cut down a mountain and use the rocks that they like cut down the top of a, of a, mount, a peak and use those rocks to build those huts. Cool and they're just that? dry stacked. Um, it's awesome. Wow. Yeah. It's wow. really cool. Those uh, the, the 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 blue milk from those sea creatures are there. No, uh, <laughs> but there are porgs. Apparently, they had to invent porgs because there's so many birds on these islands, so many puffins and other things. Really? Yeah, that they had to just create something so that you could see them flying in the back. I mean, oh man, there's an island. There's Michael Ske- uh, Skellig Michael, which is where we went, uh, and then there's another this little sister island called Little Skellig that you can't land on. Like it's just sheer cliffs all around. And you wouldn't want to. It looks like it's covered in snow, but it's just bird poo. <laughs> and there's mm-hmm. about 25,000, but it looked like a small estimate of mm-hmm. like just birds all mm-hmm. over this island. And we, you know, sailed around it. it. It was actually, we were really lucky. We had beautiful blue skies and 
So oh, that's awesome. Rare for there. Yeah, I but, I think I was in Ireland for nine or ten days, and we had two days of sun, three days of sun. We had one day of rain. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that awesome. Kind of crazy. I packed way wrong, <laughs> so I was yeah. hot everywhere, but I was dry. Well, I was sweaty. <laughs> the other dry? Huh? Yeah, uh, I like I, I like Utah where it's hot and dry. Yeah, no humidity. And cold and dry. Excellent. I mean, it, it's bad for your lawn. It's good for. It's bad climate. how much water it takes for it to be good for your lawn. Yeah. 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 Uh, but that was an awesome trip. Good. I did not see any disc golf stuff at all. We drove by some beautiful golf courses. No, I bet. Uh, and everywhere I'm looking, I'm like, this There's just would be the most amazing courses here because it's just beautiful. rolling grass and trees. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, but. I don't know. If you're Irish and you listen to the show, write in, let me know, because I would have should I should have done this before. I could have gone and played with you. But you know. That would have been cool. That would have been awesome. Uh but really, really, really fun trip. So that's why if I sound a little extra goofy tonight, I'm super jet lagged. I have not <laughs> caught up on sleep. <laughs> what a hero for being here. Yeah. Um did we miss a week posting? I don't know. I think we we will have missed a week. I'm not jet lagged, and I don't know. Yeah, I'm just confused. I, I feel like it's that time of summer too, or it's just it's hot. It's draining. I'm tired by this time every day. Yeah, I don't I, know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is really good podcasting. Woo! Uh, but you know what? Not everybody's as disenchanted with the podcast as I am at this moment. Uh, we actually have people that like our show, and I like our show. <laughs> We got some emails. <laughs> Told you I'm a little slap happy. I love it. Yes, emails. My, uh, um, we got two from email and then one from uh, Instagram. Let me do this one and then we'll just go back and forth. You okay, can do the Instagram. Fire away. Okay, this is from James Tepper, who I think is a new writer in her to the show. That's the official term. Writer in her. Writer in her. Yeah. Yes, uh, I, I think so. I don't recognize the name. I met a guy with the last name Tepper once. Um, from LA and was his first name James? <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, oh. I don't know his first name, but I, Oh no, it was Gil actually. Oh. Uh, he Maybe is they're related. So <laughs> he's got the look bar. on his face. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to admit to something that I, sh- that, uh, well, I don't work for this place anymore. So it isn't really going to come back and bite me. Um, teaching skiing, uh, this is when I was teaching skiing full-time. I was an undergrad. Um, me and a colleague of mine, uh, awesome girl, that we were uh, hired by a family to teach their kids ski lessons, but they didn't want to ski at the resort that we were working at at the time. They wanted to ski at Deer Valley. And so you can just book the instructors from whatever mountain you want, have them come out and meet you if you book them for the full day. Mm-hmm. And um, usually the resorts will do like a reciprocity when giving the instructors a pass. Like that's okay. that's just kind of a nice courtesy within the industry. Um, that being said, like you're not supposed to poach lessons or do anything else. You're supposed to be with your clients that are there. Like uh-huh. you don't get to cut the lines necessarily in the instructor lines unless they tell you you can, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went over there. We skied with his family. Really fun, fun morning. Uh, they Kids were done. So they just, after lunch, they were done. And they're like, well, thanks so much. We've got you for the full day, but, you know, you're done. Actually, I think we were there a day and a half with them anyway. But uh, so 
me and my friend were there and we're like, well, let's just go skiing. And we're in our uniforms. We didn't bring other ski clothes mm-hmm. to ski in. And uh, this guy comes over to us and big, tall guy, long hair. I mean, looks like, uh, well, I'll, I'll get there. Uh, a little intimidating, honestly. But in context, he's at one of the most expensive ski resorts in the state. So, uh, you know, something's going on there. And uh, he's like, hey, they're sold out of lessons. They're sold out of instructors. Will you guys teach my kids? We're like, we, we can't. And he wouldn't stop <laughs> until we're like, okay, <laughs> fine. Uh, so, um, and I'm just so curious, like confused by this guy's look. I just say, uh, I mean, he looked rock and roll. Okay. And I say, uh, so what do you do for a living? You know, which is a normal question, but he knew exactly what I was digging for. And he looks at me and he goes, guess. Oh, no. And uh, my friend played it right. She's like, garbage man. Oh. And uh, I said, because uh, she knew what he was doing, you know. Yeah. And I was like, music? Like your record producer or something? And he's like, no, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. Oh, man. So he hands me his card and he is a, like one of the most prominent disc replacement surgeons in the country. He does uh, spinal surgery. So like right around your spinal column and like all that, that nerve cluster and wow, you know, uh, very, very delicate work. And he did, instead of disc fusions, he would do disc replacements like with an artificial disc. Okay. Um, And his last name was Tepper and, I remember that because he had said Tepper, like Dr. Pepper, but Dr. Tepper. Interesting. That's my really, really long digression of James. So, if you're related, yeah. If you're related to know. Gil Tepper, the surgeon, let me know. That would be cool. That would be cool. I'm the guy that your uh, relative <laughs> almost got fired, but I didn't. Excellent. Anyway, from James Tepper, new story. I'm just I knew a Tepper. No. D- did you? No. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to be a tepper too? <laughs> okay. James Tepper. New listener here. Been going through the last season slash episodes. First, I took a six-year break and realized all my drive distance comes sidehand slash forehand throws. I'm guessing sidearm is like sidehand. Yeah, okay. Same thing. Um, my backhand is about half that with less accuracy. Did you have the same problems vice versa? I think he's referring to like my really long break. Um, Second. So uh, uh, I'll just answer this. Um, I wasn't very good when I stopped playing. I'd only played like a handful of rounds when I took my 13-year hiatus or however long that was. Um, And it wasn't an intentional hiatus. I just wasn't around people that were playing anymore. Um, So my game was probably a little bit weaker. But I have no sidearm. Like I can do like little flick shots and stuff, you know, 60 feet to get around a tree Mm -hmm. max probably is what I would really go for. Um, So for me, my backhand is where I have any distance. If I try to flick something out, I don't. So I probably should just go work on that in a field. Just go flick in a field and see what I can do. I tell myself that a lot. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just some people throw better Mm -hmm. sidearm. Some people throw better backhand. So if you can get good at both, you're going to be a well-rounded player. Yeah, and I mean to get far in this game now, you have to be good at both. Yeah, if you look at the top five, ten in the world. They're both they're all exceptional at both. Oh yeah, it's just it's, it's gotten so far. Strokes. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can relate a little bit. When I was learning how to play, um, I was trying to throw backhand because that's what people were doing, 
and it was going like 60 feet and about 50 feet left. That's all I could make it do. I didn't know anything. And then a friend who got me out one time was throwing sidearm with like, I think it was a Discraft XL, like a little small diameter mid-range feeling thing. I don't even know if that's what it was. Um, I was like, why don't I do that? Like I played baseball, I play volleyball, I can throw. So I threw sidearm for like a couple of months and I was like, this is way easier. It's going way farther. So I think it's kind of common for sidearm to come more naturally. I think if you grew up playing baseball, especially if you ever played a ball sport. See, and I never, I played football, but I was an offensive lineman. So, um, so I think, I think sidearm distance is easier to get at the beginning, but once you learn technique for both, I think backhand will surpass. Yeah. And I don't know this, but I would guess that it's easier to get more speed on a sidearm because you get that flick off the finger, which just gives it a little more boost. Not that it's going to give you more speed overall, but, or like, you're not throwing it fast, but you're throwing it faster at a beginner as a beginner than you would with a backhand. Yes, because the technique is easier to stumble upon. Yeah, to like snap it. And yeah, kinda. with with developed form for both, backhand will come out faster. Absolutely, yeah. But I agree that when you're starting, you'll probably find more success sidearm. Yeah. So, um, I could say throw sidearm if that's what you're comfortable doing. I mean, there's people that throw sidearm; that's their preferred method. Yeah. Um, and they're very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't give up on your backhand and I shouldn't give up on my sidearm. I, yeah. I joke about just having patrols. That's half a joke. Chris gave me a stack of patrols the other day. So I know I have to learn a backhand set uh, or a forehand. Sorry. Um, but, uh, it, it would improve my game if I could, you know, even have a 250 foot flick, you know, if I could get one mm-hmm. out there that far, like it would, it would really help me yeah. with some just dog legs and things like that. And just getting around obstacles. That's kind of where mine is. Mine's comfortable inside 300. Yeah. So I throw, if I have the choice on say an upshot, almost always throwing sidearm because it's shorter. I can see it. I know where to place it. It's just, it's easy. Mm. But as soon as I need any sort of distance, I have to throw back in because I don't have a big sidearm. Well, and that's the advantage of the sidearm too, is you never lose sight of mm-hmm. where you're throwing. And that's another good reason it's beneficial to start with. Yeah. You're like, I want to throw right there. And then you throw right there or backhand. I mean, I guess if you're kind of improvising how to play or how to throw anyway, you're going to be looking that way. But I've seen this technique and I don't know why. I, I, this is just anecdotally. I've only seen women do it. Um, effectively, but where they'll stand backwards on the tee pad and hold the disc mm-hmm. in front of them and then throw it behind. Yeah, that's and how I throw uh, left-handed. Oh, okay. Well, we've got a um, friend of the show, Ryan Lewis. Uh, not Ryan Lewis. What is the name? Anyway, <laughs> sorry. I'm so – not Ryan Lewis. What is Le- – anyway. Ben Lewis? Ben Lewis. Thank you. I didn't know if we were changing the first name or the last name. <laughs> no, his wife <laughs> plays that way, and she throws far. Yeah. Um. I, that's how I have to throw left-handed. Um, and for me, I don't know if this is true for everybody. Um, Ryan Lewis is another guy that I knew I think, years ago. I think it's Ben and Erica. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I think they just recently had a baby too. So ooh, congratulations. Congrats. Um, for my left hand, I don't do it often. I do it mostly sarcastically when I'm whatever goofing off. Um, so naturally I don't have the footwork, hip, elbow, shoulder, arm timing down left-handed. So if I just stand backwards and reach back, I can do the one motion of throw oh, and I be guess that's what semi-efficient. Just simplifies that. But if I if I try to add the run-up, then every timing piece falls apart, and I hurt myself, and it goes less far. Okay. 
So I think that's a good foundation. And once that's super comfortable, you can start adding like a one step or like a three step cross, get into the four step cross. Yeah. When I played with her, she didn't need to do anything else. She was throwing far. Yeah. And you can. <laughs> so, I mean, you watch, you watch the top guys throw standstill shots, 400 feet. Like, yeah, you don't need a ton of feet to be successful. So I have no problem with the standstill throw. Yeah. Especially while you're working on. Well, and we've got uh, Randito, local mm-hmm. players who I think due to injury just does a standstill mm-hmm. throw and he can throw it far. Yeah. Just and steps out to the end of the tee pad and just backhands it and it goes. Yeah. And my buddy Corey Jones, I think he does it for a knee injury he had years ago. He throws standstill and he throws four four fifty. Yeah. There's an MVP just player. I forgot who he was. He throws four fifty plus standstill. It's there. Yeah. Just all you need is timing. However you find it. Only thing like if those guys could put a wind up into it would it help like if they could get that if they can keep the timing yeah like if i if i power into it i guess my my walk up is a walk up i I, i'm very slow i never do the aggressive feet i just i can't and i throw kind of far so when i you know try to muscle up to match somebody bigger it doesn't go well like i run up i get all aggressive and then everything falls apart and i don't know what's happening yeah well it's like golf you know yeah you you do your swing yeah you don't muscle up because you're playing with dj yeah you'll miss Anyway, second. Um, yeah, great question, James. Uh, or it wasn't even a question. No, it was a question. All right, second. Uh, going into your first tournament, sanctioned or unsanctioned, uh, any advice slash more advice, one or the other? Um, and then he closed out by saying, appreciate the advice, both great and at a level I can understand. Thanks. Yes. We love that. That's, That's awesome, goal. James. Thank you. Um, my advice for going into a tournament is uh, go – into whatever bracket like like division. register whatever division that you want to don't worry about anybody telling you like oh no you're pretty good you better play up you better play down i play rec play novice play advance whatever you feel like you want to play um but just go and have fun and don't worry about scoring because mm-hmm. that will probably well for me that doesn't help um, if i can relax and just have fun that's a better way to do it um and I look at the money that I'm buying into a tournament as just me paying a ticket to go do something fun for the morning mm-hmm. uh, or for the day. It's not I'm, – I'm buying an entrance fee <laughs> to go enjoy playing in this tournament. I'm not trying to win anything back. I'm not trying to make anything back or to get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, other players have a very different approach to that, and that's probably good, you know, especially if you're trying to support your family yeah. <laughs> playing this golf. Um, but for me, that would just be very frustrating if I thought like, man, I just spent, you know, 35, 60 bucks, whatever it is. And I just blew it all. Like, no, I'm, 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 I'm having fun and I'm supporting my local scene by, you know, buying into this tournament. I don't play expensive ones. I think the most expensive tournament I played is probably like $35, Mm -hmm. maybe 40. Um, I've spent 225. Yeah. But that's for big tournaments. (laughs) Like you've played GBO, you've played big, big tournaments. Um, that have, you know, decent payouts for the winners. Um, but that's the pro am difference. Yeah. So what, what is advice for you for uh, the first tournament? I have a two part answer. I just Ooh. decided. Um, I think it depends on how slash who you are and why you play. So if you're playing disc golf because it's fun and you enjoy it and you're doing pretty well and you're like, you know what? I'll play a tournament. That's fine. Okay. My first tournament, I didn't know they existed. Um, I just played disc golf. I played with Eric Oakley every day and I was like, you know, I'm getting okay at this. So Eric made me play a tournament. The first tournament I ever played, Eric's like, you're playing, we're signing you up. And I was like, okay, what's a tournament? 
And so I just went and I played a bunch of rounds and I did fine because it was casual. It's just how I play disc golf. So if you're in the casual mindset, go out. It's just disc golf. You're just playing. You'll probably do fine. Make sure it's the same headspace that you're always in. Okay. Second side is if you're competitive and if you're playing to compete, if you're playing to win, if you're playing because you think you're better than everybody or whatever, you know, the competitive side of things, um, I would advise some sort of like uh, forethought or planning. Um, it goes a long way to practice or plan shots and just save decisions that you have to make day of, whether it's, you know, I'm going to throw this disc or this disc on this hole. I'm going to lay up here, play safe. You know, I'll be aggressive on these three, whatever that plan is, however that works out, it's beneficial. Um, that kind of pairs into play your game and just do what you know you can do. doesn't matter what you see or who's giving you what crap for what, just throw your shots. You do you, it'll go fine. That's solid advice. Um, I would add to that too. Bring more water than you normally do when you're going to play. Like bring and definitely snacks. Yes, bring some snacks. Uh, you got to be eating. <laughs> I did a tournament once that I think it was jokefully, jokingly said like bring a lunch because we're not you know we're not cooking for you or something. So I did. I brought like a like a cheese and cracker plate, and that really helped. <laughs> I was the only one on my card that had a snack. I offered to share. No one wanted it. Uh, but it was nice just to have some calories it keeps you from, you know, blowing up. I use more energy than I anticipate when I'm in a tournament. Um, well, and that's, that's part of the comment on decisions and planning yeah. is if every shot you pull five discs out of your bag and you're like, well, I could do this or I could do this or I could do this or I could do this. If you do that every shot, you're going to be just mentally tired. Yeah. And mentally tired means bad decisions and bad execution. Um, and food kind of helps combat that the more you know, fruit or nuts or chocolate or granola or whatever you want. Um, something in that's good, quick energy, keeps the brain functioning a little bit, keeps the body strong. And yeah, you'd be surprised how much a little bit goes healthier, the better, but yeah. also like something that you can, I like, I like through. fruits and nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, like a trail mix or something. Yeah. That's like healthy candy. Yeah. Careful with trail mix with chocolate though. I did that one time. Melts. I had a bag of chocolate goo. Yeah. I was like, I'm so hungry. Bummer. Yeah. And just put it back. It's like, well, go home and yeah. freeze that. Yeah. And I bet it was good. Chocolate oh, it was so away. good. Yeah. But it, I couldn't have eaten it and played. No. It was. No, that is a good point. Like, bring stuff that is. Uh, that can survive the heat of disc golf in your bag. And well, and also that's going to um, not go up your hands too much. That's so going to affect how you hold the disc. Yep. Pro tip of the day, eat with your offhand. Ooh. It's actually a bowling trick I use. But it works for disc golf as well. That's a uh, pro tip. Never eat with the hand you throw with. It's also a old uh, hygiene tip. Oh. From pre-toilet paper days. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Dating yourself here. Well, no, no. It's <laughs> history major. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, James. That was awesome. Um, we love that you're listening to the show. So keep listening and share it with other people. And tell Gil, Dr. Tepper, hello. Yeah. Okay, we got one via Instagram too. Who's this from? Uh, this is I, I can pull up his name again. I should have already. That's all right. Uh, Ray Brown again. Ray Brown. Um, so he is submitting his Canadian review of the Explorer and the Gatekeeper, the two trilogy challenge discs. Because we know they all fly different at different latitudes. Yeah, I'm so glad we have a Canadian review, just to see what they're like up north, because I've I haven't thrown them up there. I don't know. Um, says, just finished the Trilogy Challenge, and I'll give you my Canadian review of the Vandal and Keystone. The Vandal, 
Much to my surprise, felt like a higher speed explorer. I could put more power into it and it flew a little further. I'm going to correct you. It's farther. Um, <laughs> Not in Canada. Oh, you're, I don't know Canadian rules. <laughs> my bad. Uh, for my arm, it felt more overstable than the numbers. Keystone felt like a dagger, but was less predictable. After the tournament, I traded it for a dagger. It was a great tournament. So I think we forgot to do. I threw something new when I got these forever ago. We did, and I threw. We threw them forever ago, and I don't remember how they flew for me. Yep. Um, I guess I could pitch my quick version. Yeah. Um, I'll agree that it feels like a higher speed explorer to me. It felt like a higher speed escape. Um, if you throw it hard, it's going to turn more than an escape. It's going to finish more than an escape, and it's going to go farther than an escape. So that was kind of my take on that one. Um, he said he gave a review of the gatekeeper, but I don't see it. So we'll go to the keystone. Um, I don't think it's quite a dagger. Dagger, I could eat breakfast out of. Like it's like at least three inches deep. I don't know. The keystone is deep, but it's like manageable. Um, and it's probably less predictable because it's neutral to understable instead of slightly overstable. So that I can see that translating to less predictability. But I'm glad you had fun. I'm glad you liked. It sounds like you liked the vandal. I have no idea how you felt about the gatekeeper, and I'll forgive you for liking daggers more than keystones, but you're wrong. But I'll forgive you. Awesome. What I remember from throwing those is, uh, what's the the fairway called? Vandal. The Vandal was the only one that I thought, uh, I think I might want to play with this a little bit more and see where it goes for me. Yeah, a lot of people are loving it. Yeah, the other two didn't seem to fill a niche that I needed Mm -hmm. but this was months ago that we were throwing them and it was in the snow so we spent I felt like we spent way more time looking for discs than actually throwing them white white frisbees in the snow is dangerous that's right they were white weren't they Mm -hmm. it's dangerous (laughs) that was tricky Um, we had a cold winter yeah and Uh, now we have a hot summer so that's it Uh, I hope to throw them again soon and you know maybe can get a little more feedback but I, I remember Thinking the Vandal was something that I could enjoy. I just want to play with a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Keystone or the Gatekeeper is the mid, right? Mm-hmm. Gatekeeper f- didn't do anything that my that I wanted to to do that I needed done. If that yeah. makes sense. Um, and the Keystone felt unruly to me. Okay, like I'll, I'll say the Gatekeeper is good. Uh, I like my Emacs better. Yeah, but I've been throwing them a long time, so. Yeah, and I, nothing wrong with it. It's just no. Yeah, again, no, what I Gatekeeper is kind of like a sister to a compass. Like it'll do what you tell it to. Good disc. Yeah, like, I can't fault it at all. But you just don't. I just have back. one that I like already. Yeah. If I didn't have an Emac, maybe I'd throw the Gatekeeper. Yeah. I don't know. I have an Emac. Don't yeah. have to go there. So if you don't like Aaron McCabe, and that's what's been keeping you from throwing an Emac, <laughs> throw a Gatekeeper. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, but thank you for writing in. I'm glad you played a trilogy challenge. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Like I said, I'll forgive you for liking daggers more than keystones. I've only thrown a dagger in Disc Golf Valley, and I have a sticky one that I like. I even took the dagger. Oh, this is so beautiful. Like yesterday, I got a heavy, sticky keystone. Immediately took out that heavy, sticky dagger for the keystone. <laughs> There's no difference in the game. They both go 50, like 50 meters and then just stick to the ground, and that's it. But I still switched it for peace of mind. <laughs> that's funny. True story, like yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Ray. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ray. Uh, Yeah, thanks for writing in. We appreciate that very much. 
Um, question for you both. This one comes from Nico Barron Ooh. via Gmail. I knew um, a Baron once. Did you? No. <laughs> uh, I had to. That was great. Hey, guys. I recently discovered your podcast, and I'm loving it. Thank you. I relate to both sides of the discussion. I feel like I am quite the am. Been playing for three and a half years, still dialing in correct form and finding time to play events. But I read slash watch slash listen listen to all content I can get my hands on. So I feel like I am well-versed in the sport and can understand the pro mentality. Awesome. I'm not sure how relevant that is, but I wanted to thank you both. Your podcast really helped me pull my head out of my butt and realize <laughs> that even though I do absorb all content, I can, I am far from a pro. I started to embrace my amness and enjoy the sport again. I'm no longer getting frustrated, failing to execute shots. I have no business throwing. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Throw those shots that you have no business throwing. They're fun. That's how you learn them. Well, yeah. And it's, um, you know, Chris has talked about it. Like he plays weird lines. Like he'll find goofy lines. And when we're playing together, sometimes I will try those lines, try those lines too. And it feels really good to thread it. It's always a fluke if I, you know, get it right through and (laughs) especially when he's hitting trees, but, uh, they're fun to throw. So Mm -hmm. have fun, but don't get frustrated when you're not doing stuff that, you know, it's like, uh, if, if you're stalling out your formula one car, it's because you're not Michael Schumacher. Like, and that's okay. Mm hmm. But enjoy driving your Prius, I guess. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. It I, doesn't mean don't try, you know, <laughs> don't get in the Formula One car again if you can. Yeah. But No, I think I think as long as you adopt a growth mindset, yeah. you're good. So the the acknowledgement of, hey, I tried this crazy shot and I didn't hit it. I can't be mad at myself. That's huge, right? But being willing to continue trying that is how you get better. Yeah, absolutely. If you only throw the shot you're comfortable with every time you play, you're going to be really good at it, but that's all you're going to be good at. I don't think you will be if you just do that same shot every time because you're not pushing yourself. Well, that's what I'm saying. You'll get yeah. good at just the one thing. Yeah. You get you get good at what you spend your time doing. Yeah. So if you never experiment, if you never try things that make you uncomfortable, you're not improving. Yeah, no. I have to try new stuff to shave strokes. Mm-hmm. Like to try, And sometimes that's uh, just try a different disc on the same Mm -hmm. hole for me. One thing that I've found recently is I, uh, am throwing, um, where I used to be throwing certain holes like that are short, Mm -hmm. but I would, I would still throw out a driver just so I knew I could get there. I'm now trusting that I can throw my EMAC and get it out there. And, um, I'm doing better with it because I can be more accurate with that disc and I can, I can kind of control where it goes a little bit more. So it's just things like that, that are just, you know, try something new. Try a disc that doesn't make any sense on, on a weird line. And make it make sense. Yeah. Well, and also, I, I am a tactile learner. Mm-hmm. And so... you. I think with disc golf, you have to be. Yeah. There's no, hey, this will work if you go do this, this, and this. But like, okay. Well, I think... Yeah. If no, you, you can have, figure you that out, more to, power to too, try yeah. it. But, um, <laughs> you know, like, I'm thinking of uh, two at Roots. You know, okay. it's, a, it's a blind, uh, little left to right, totally blind. Yeah. Like tall trees right in front of you. 30 or something. Um, if you hit the wrong time of year, it's in a swamp. Yeah. Uh, if, if you miss. And so it's a matter of trying like, okay, how much stability do I want to throw? Usually I'm throwing like a patrol. No, no, usually, Ooh, nice. but like my throwing style is like super, uh, turned over, super turned over. Yeah. Um, like almost vertical. The mm-hmm. disc is almost releasing vertically. 
And so I'm just, I should try my patrol. But I'm just like, straight. yeah, how, how, uh, you know, what kind of stability should I put on this one? Mm-hmm. You know, and then just figuring it out. Yeah. Um, as far as crossing over from having no business throwing to being comfortable throwing, my favorite drill, I think, for that is if you ever have a course kind of to yourself and you can throw five or 10 shots at the same basket, yep. just go through your bag. If it's a right to left shot, make all your understable stuff do it. If it's a left to right shot, make all your overstable stuff do it. You'll learn very quickly what you can do with every disc. Well, in doing that, I've found like, oh, I didn't know that I could get that disc to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's actually ends up being the better play for me on that yeah, hole. Absolutely. When I'm trying to force something else that seemed more obvious or seemed like the more straightforward play. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's kind of fun too when if you're at a course where the pins can change around, you can try new stuff too. So, yeah. Good on but you. But good on you for not getting frustrated. Anyway. My question for you two, and I like this question. Uh, what three-disc bag would you put together to tackle your home course? For me, that would be Elver Park in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I hear great things about Madison. Um, yeah, never been. I've heard a lot of good things. Wisconsin is, I think, at least a couple of years ago when I looked, was like the most disc golf courses per capita or per area. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, Minnesota and Wisconsin, I think, are both just huh. like super disc golf friendly. I have to go up then. Someone fact check me. Let me know. I could I be wrong. I just want to go up and eat some cheese. Oh. <laughs> I'll go disc golf. You can go cheese touring. Well, I'll meet you after my cheese tour. Maybe they have a vegan cheese tour. <laughs> well, I'll meet you after. Yeah, that's true. Here's some cork and some rubber. You can chew on that. Right. Um. <laughs> vegan jokes are always funny. Um, well, I mean. They are. You're in like the cheese capital of No, I know. Capitals. I know. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I get it. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're going to go to Montana and get a Beyond Burger. It's it's going to taste the same anywhere. <laughs> get a steak yes. that was, you know, mooing earlier that afternoon. Yeah, or bison or elk. What else is – Montana has everything. I don't know. Anyway. They got lots of animals. Yeah, I don't want to talk about animals anymore. That's all right. I it's just the wrong chips. side of animal conversation. Um, <laughs> all right. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, and my, I'd bring, my, bring a classic judge, 400 grams, M2. And my trusty beat-up rival. So this is awkward, but 400G is the plastic of the M2. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not th- I was thinking, like, why is he putting his weight on there? That seems <laughs> weird anyway. And why is it so heavy? Yeah. 400G. That's, well, that's dumb. That's like their Prodigy? almost G-star. It's like their grippier star plastic. <sighs> I don't Sorry. You're, I, you're, I'm sure they make good discs. What an am. But I don't I don't know. I'm just kidding. I am. I am a hardcore am. No, I, I threw Prodigy for a while. I'm familiar. Yeah. Okay. So 400 GM2. And my trusty beat up rival. Curious to hear your answers. Thank you again. P.S. When I put the cast on in my car with my two year old daughter, she promptly falls asleep. So TY for that as well. Best of luck. Uh, what does TY mean? Thank you. Okay. I'm not, I'm old. Um, I love that. I that think we, that's a compliment. I know. As a father, yes. Okay. Okay. If we put his daughter to sleep, that's fantastic. That's why I said I think. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. So uh, good night, honey. <laughs> yeah, Have hope, a good nap. Hope you're sleeping well. Yeah. Dad will wake you up when you get to the grocery store. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay. Uh, three disc bag to tackle your home course. So should we pick the same course? Yeah. Mine, mine changes a good amount based on the course. Let's say, should we say Roots or Creekside? Those are the ones we play the most. Your call. <sighs> Let's do Roots. I'm more familiar with Roots. Okay. That's a more dramatic bag for me than 
Creekside because there are three holes where I can throw a driver. At Roots? Mm-hmm. And at Creekside, you don't need no. to throw a driver. You Zero. just need your EMAC. Yeah. Okay. So Roots, do you want to go first? Uh, no, I want you to go first. Uh, okay, Roots with three discs. I would take a prime keystone for three tee shots and putting. I would take a either classic hard or classic blend EMAC for about 10 tee shots. And then for the other three or four long ones, probably a Fusion Raider. Yeah. No putters? You're not bringing any putters? Keystone, first one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Raider, Emac, and Keystone for roots. Okay. And it'd be like 45% of the shots are Keystone, 40% of the shots are Truth, and the rest are Raider, like three T shots, three or four. Um, I think we should play this round. I think that would be kind Let's of fun. Let's do it. Uh, I would take my. Uh, I blend Pharaoh, even though it's getting pretty understable right now. We can use it. Um, but uh, that disc I really, really like a lot. Um, and I would bring probably my sparkly red Lucid EMAC, just my Good. most reliable EMAC. Good. And my, I think it's classic soft Warden, my Black Warden. Okay. So that's just what I pet with. Uh, I would throw... Nearly all but all but three or four, I would drive with my Pharaoh mm-hmm. and then you know play from Couple there. The others would be with my Emac. I don't throw a putter. I should, but we could make this round happen and see how it goes. I know we really should. That would be. Fun. I kind of want to do Creekside too. Do you want to do Creekside? What's okay. Your, does, do Creekside. does your Creekside bag change? Probably. So for, for perspective, not Utah people. Yes, it does. It does. Roots has three holes that are about 400 feet. Everything else is shorter. Creekside has one hole with the potential to be 400 feet, but everything is usually. Which hole is that? That's that Actually, one? two do. Hole one has a basket over 400. Oh, yeah. And then hole nine. Is that the one over the river? The first one back from the river. Oh, yeah. Has yeah. a basket that's over 400. Um, but the rest of that course is more not, I won't say wooded because if you're from the South or the East for Utah, it's pretty wooded. <laughs> yeah. It's a park style course. Yeah, like you're it's in a and park. out of the trees. It's, yeah. it's, it's actually a really nice variety, but pretty much every other hole is two thirty to three thirty. I haven't been there forever. Have they opened up those back two holes yet? I don't know if we're getting them back. Oh really? Okay. I'm not sure. I haven't heard, but eh. not yet. No. Um, so, okay. So what would you throw at Creekside? Uh, Keystone Slammer Emac. Putter that goes straight and right. Putter that goes straight and left. And mid-range that goes straight and left. Oh, your Slammer. That that gets me thinking something else. And I think that I would probably change It's just that I I can... I mean, even if those two were in long, I'd throw a truth and maybe be short, and that's fine. But every other basket, I want to putter for the... So I can at least throw, you know, kind of hard. Yeah. Um... I would probably throw a, I would, yeah, um, get rid of my Pharaoh, go to my Lucidex Maverick. There you go. Uh, just a more short, not as much distance, but a little more controllable. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, 
drop my emac and i would either go with my uh fusion truth like standard truth or my you know what actually i would not do that i would go with my new lucid whale pants suspect Ooh, because the lucid goes a little bit further for me than the classic i like the classic a lot the yep. feel of it and it just sticks yep but i feel like that's a little more versatile and it's not it's Still pretty brand new. I've only thrown a handful of time. Mm-hmm. So I'd carry my suspect and I would, yeah, I'd probably just keep my same warden. Yep. Good call. Because, yeah. If I had my druthers there, I might even have a softer warden and just pet with the well, suspect. A, a soft warden in the 100 degrees we have now is that's a, that's a, almost a tortilla. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So I would just do my classic soft or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a fun, that's a fun game. You should do it. I like I'm that. sure I would shoot the same scores if I took a full bag because that's all I'd throw anyway. Yeah. But it's fun to just carry three and not even like have a bag, just three in a water bottle and walk around. Yeah. I'd want a, something to hold them in, like even just a little shoulder bag because mm-hmm. that would just drive me nuts otherwise. But um, Oh, that'd be fun. I have a little weekender bag at home. like It holds like seven discs or ten discs or yeah. whatever the DD one is. Yeah. That'd be fun to take out. I haven't used one of those in my life. I've used little backpacks, and I used to use an Innova, whatever those flat ones are called, pre-backpack days. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. a disc, disc carrier. I don't remember what they call them. That's my guess. Yeah. I love seeing dudes with those around. <laughs> yeah, Josh Anton still plays with them. Yeah. Um, I like the uh, Climo still does, I think. Probably. Yeah, the um, old school guys. Yeah, with the like the yoke shoulder straps. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the day I got my gel shoulder straps was the best day of that year. <laughs> I bet. They were so much more comfortable. My first bag was um, I used to play with like a this awful like sling style backpack bag. Mm-hmm. I got it at the Gap. That was actually a pretty decent little bag. I'm sure I don't have it anymore. But it was not a great discount bag because everything just floated around loose in there. So it was just shuffling through and it was yep. not quite uh, like a – it wasn't like a satchel bag that, you know, hung low enough to where I could actually, I had to take it off to get anything out of it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, yeah, rummage through. Yeah. I, I mean, it was one. a good bag, but it wasn't like, yeah. it was not good for disc golf. Yeah. Um, from that, and I pl- that was what I played with at first. Um, my next disc golf bag, well, my next bag was not a disc golf bag. Uh, I still use it for my night bag, but it's a Cabela's duffel bag. <laughs> Oh, nice. That I then, um, that I just started filling up and I was like, this actually works really well. And it is like the perfect size. Um, the zips are a little bit awkward. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. it would be nice if it opened up wider at the top, but it, it works honestly great. And I, uh, at play it again. I bought, um, they had little inserts for bags, like little oh, nice. inserts and it just squoze right in there. I think I paid like five or 10 bucks for that. Oh, that's awesome. And it, it'll hold like. 20 discs that's awesome like it's it's actually really great I, I, it's in my car right now is my night bag i haven't played night at, in a long time i've played glow disc but um yeah and then i've got that little disc cadet or whatever it is little dynamic yeah. bag that yeah. i gave to my brother i didn't love that thing it was a little not quite too small <laughs> it was like in between okay. it wasn't small enough to be like genuinely small mm-hmm. and it didn't hold enough to make it Worth you know. carrying. Yeah. But okay. if it's like, I took my brother out for the first time that I played disc golf and I left him like five, six discs. It's mm-hmm. perfect for that. You know, I don't know if it's ever <laughs> been used since I gave it to him. Right. Um, but, 
you know, if it's if it's just your starter bag, it's a great bag. But I'm, uh, yeah, I'm shrugging. Anyway, we should do these three disc rounds. Let's do it. Challenge accepted. Well, and that's probably a good way to do a practice round because it forces you to force the shot. Like to yeah. do. Well, and to step up and say, well, I can do use this one or this one. Like I don't have the one disc I carry just for hole six. Yeah. Which, Notice my patrol was not in there, so which, I don't have a backhand. Which or a flick. Uh, I do all the time. Or forehand. Yeah. The only reason I carry 15 discs is so that I have a disc for those like three or four weird oh, holes. Oh, yeah. yeah. You Otherwise, I would throw the truth on every hole. Yeah. I mean, I could. We got to do this. This will be fun. Okay. All right. That's an easy one, too. That's not like something that we have to get all weird about. Like, just yeah. grab those three discs out of your bag. Yeah. That's fine. All, six, all uh, five of those are in my bag right now. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. I had to think about if they fell out of my bag. Sometimes when I get home, I'll just like dump them out oh. and put the empty bag up. And then I'll go and I'll be like, I need Frisbees. And I'll just grab 10 and throw them in. And usually I get what I want, but sometimes I don't. I usually empty my bag to like clean my discs. I want to go play mud and I just yeah. need to wash them. That's a good, good habit. <laughs> yeah. I empty it all the time. And then I go and I forget things because I get frantic i'm like oh i gotta go and i grab a stack on the floor that i thought was what was in there and it's half of what was in there and half of stuff i haven't oh, thrown. all my discs are in my trunk so i've got them with me yeah i don't almost all of i them. forget stuff all the time um anyway nico that was a uh sorry just knocked everything off the table including chris's uh super expensive dynamic super sunglasses. expensive sunglasses are those dynamic no oh these are gas station sunglasses Ooh, nice that like the week after i bought them i was walking the outlets in vegas one of the guys at the sunglasses stands offered to clean my Ray-Bans. So I just looked at him, took them off, and gave them to him. And he's like, well, they look nice. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they're about 5% the cost of Ray-Bans. Oh, yeah. So Now, I, I know I've said this on this show before, but I've literally bought sunglasses in bulk before. Cause that's brilliant. Just on Amazon. Yeah. I bought, well, I mean, it wasn't like a gross of them, but I think it was like a five-pack of Oh, that's Wayfarers brilliant. I still need to look. Because I would lose them or... Honestly, I don't lose sunglasses. My wife will drive my car, and then I never find my sunglasses again because I wear eyeglasses, so I have to take my sunglasses off and put my glasses on. Uh, She'll just wear them in the house, and they'll end up who knows where. Yep. Also, I've got kids, and my two-year-old's favorite thing is to pull dad's glasses off. Oh, man. Yeah. So I believe uh, that. I, um, it is not worth it to me to spend money on sunglasses, and I haven't met anyone that could convince me otherwise. I have well, Actually, I was gifted a pair of Oakleys in high school. And I wore them to play outdoor volleyball. I got hit in the face, and they broke in half. There you go. And that was the only expensive pair of sunglasses I've ever had. Yeah. I have not spent more than $10 since then. I had expensive ones in high school. Uh, I've, I've probably bought like three pair of semi-expensive sunglasses. I've never bought a pair of Oakleys, but paid, you know, 60 to $80. Probably like three or four times since for sunglasses in my life. Hmm. And then I realized... I'm worried about these things. Like yeah. I have to take a case yep. and like wrap them up. And I was like, well, if I have $5 ones, I can just shove them in my pocket. Yeah. Or I can spend $5 every six months. Yeah. Oh, and then I was found that I could buy them. I found this place online that was like liquidating stuff. Ooh. And I would get like uh, Ray-Bans for like, I don't know, like, I don't know if they're actually Ray-Bans. Smiths. Okay. For Smith like uh, 20 bucks. Smith. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Options. But then I also found, like, there's not a whole lot of difference between these and the $15 ones that are just regular $15. Yep. So, yep. yeah. 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 Teach, there we go. Teach their own. Buy bulk sunglasses, people. Yeah. 
Amtip find <laughs> sketchy websites selling Smith Optics for twenty dollars. Uh, it was it was Amazon. They weren't they weren't <laughs> name brand or anything. They were just I just searched I think uh, Wayfair bundle or something like that. And I found like a five pack. That's brilliant. Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, well, uh, awesome question, Nico. Uh, tuck your daughter in. Tell her good night. Um, James, R- Rob, everybody, thank you so much for writing in. Um, we really appreciate our listeners to the show. Uh, we've got a decent amount, and it's really fun. Yeah, right um, in. Yes. I want your thoughts. I want your questions. I would like some hypotheticals too. I got one for next time. Oh, do you? I do. Okay. It's very much from me. All right. I got one. Um, well, write in so we can have more than one. Uh, proamdiscgolf at gmail.com, facebook.com slash proamdiscgolf. And Instagram at ProMDiscGolf. And um, keep watching. Instagram is usually where we do our contests. So I'm sure we'll have some more of those coming up. So yeah, we've got I've, more stuff to give away. I've got an idea for one. Okay. So and keep I've got, an eye out. Like, I've still got a bunch of stuff to give away. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. Um, so, uh, well, until next time, keep throwing plastic. Cheers. Cheers.